0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Talk
1: Sport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mick Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18-plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
0: At Lexia, we know literacy changes lives. As the gateway to the future for every student, literacy can boost their confidence and help them realize their full potential. Based on the science of reading, our literacy programs, along with all of those dedicated educators, can change the path of students' lives forever. We believe literacy can and should be for all. That's why at Lexia, we're all for literacy. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today.
1: Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is the player rating show, which is a new feature for this season. In this inaugural episode, I have a very special guest, and that is Ryan O'Donovan, who writes about foam for Football Doll London. We'll be discussing his ratings for the foam players against Crystal Palace. This should be a very interesting show, but before we start, I always have to welcome my guest back to the show. It's been a while. Ryan, welcome back to Cottage Talk. How are you doing? I'm all right, Russ. How are you doing? I am doing great. I look forward to doing this with you. Like I said, this is a new feature on Cottage Talk, and what better way to start it off by doing it with you? You do player ratings, so uh, I look forward to doing this with you. Yeah, it should be should be a good chat. It definitely should. And uh, I will be reading the player ratings from Ryan's article that he actually posted right after the match. And he also has a new article that I would highly recommend you go into Football Doll London. And reading, it. it talks about the players that made their debuts. He goes a little bit further into it. I'll be reading excerpts from that as well. But Ryan, before we go through the player ratings, just want to get your overall thoughts on the match on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I think Fulham were taught a bit of a lesson in Premier League football and how the top flight works, to be honest. You know, they started the game well, I thought. I thought they did quite well. They continued how they played in the championship. You know, they saw a lot of the football. They used the wings well. But, you know, that that bit of Premier League experience that Crystal Palace had shone through in the end, you know, two devastating counter-attacks really f- finished Fulham off, you know, they were clinical whereas Fulham weren't, and exactly. once that first goal went in, after, after after half-time, I couldn't really see Fulham getting back into it, and that Zaha goal just ended it for them.
1: Absolutely, and it's funny Ryan, I, I've been trying to think of uh, an analogy to this match, I'm going to throw one out, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this I'm not talking about the style of play, I'm just talking about how the match went a little bit, how Crystal Palace reacted to how this team played against Fulham as well. This kind of reminded me how the match went, team taking advantage of mistakes, like Fulham played against Brighton Hove Albion.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way. Brighton at the time were obviously looking to chase promotion. They had the clinical side to them back then. So, yeah, you you could draw similarities to it. I think then Fulham were trying to get to grips with a new side as well, which they're doing now too. So yeah, I think I think that would be a fair comparison.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, let's get into this. Before we do, uh, I was talking to you off air, and uh, obviously you do your player ratings right afterwards. Do you feel now a couple of days later that you might have to adjust a little bit, or do you feel strong that your ratings, say a couple of days ago, should just stay the way they are?
2: Yeah, I've, I mean, I've looked through it today before we came on, just to just to remind myself, and having a look through it, I think you know this. I, I, I don't think too much would have changed, in my opinion. Now, okay. based on they, they weren't. I don't think I can give them any higher, and to give them any low, they're a bit unfair on some of them.
1: Sure. Okay. Excellent. All right. Let's start with your rating for the goalkeeper, Fabry. You give him a six. This is what you actually said. In your article about the new player debuts. I'm just going to read it, and then we can talk about. This is what you wrote. It was always going to be a tough debut for Fabri after he and fellow new signing Sergio Rico pushed fan favorite Marcus Bettinelli out of the match day squad. Jokovic likes his keeper to be comfortable with the ball at his feet with most attacks starting from the keeper, but the Spaniards struggled with that aspect of his game with his distribution to the fullbacks, not the best I've seen. He also had a tendency to come out of his goal to try and claim balls that have been pinged over the two center backs there were a couple of times this caused a bit of panic in the stands. Firstly, when he came running out and sliced his clearance, and then secondly, for Wilfred Zaha's goal, where had he stayed on his line, Zaha would have had a harder job to tuck it underneath him. Okay. Then you also say there were some positives. He made a stunning save to keep out Christian Benteke's header with his shot stopping seemed reasonably good. There's a long way to go and once Fabric gets used to how phone play. He is sure to get better. And like I mentioned, you give him a six. Very interesting thoughts there. The the one thing that stands out to me, and this is something that I talked about on the post-match show, Ryan, was the argument that if he did not come out, he would have made it much tougher. And you actually back it up on Zaha's shot. You know, again, Tony Gale actually said his commentary on the broadcast that he made it much easier. Paraphrasing a a little bit, but he was just talking about how The situation was easier now for Zaha to score that goal. So talk about Fabri.
2: Yeah, I think the main thing for me was his tendency to to come rushing out of goal. And he did it a couple of times, like I mentioned in that article. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it was because Fulham were playing a bit of a high line and they'd spoken about those balls in over the centre-backs during preseason. Because I noticed that was quite a bit of trouble in preseason. I remember the game against Sampdoria where... The two centre-backs really struggled with that ball pinged over from from either flank, right diagonally over their heads. Whether or not that had something to play into as to why he kept rushing out of goal, I don't know. But that, that's that's the key thing for me. You know, There there's a couple of times where he had he didn't need to come out of goal. It's the one where he sliced his clearance. I don't see why he kept rushing out of goal like he did. And then, of course, for the Zaha goal, he's come rushing out, obviously trying to think he's going to cut the angle down a bit. But Zaha doesn't take it round him, he just slots it underneath him right. with a really nice finish, it has to be said. Yes. I do agree with Tony Gale, you know, if he stays in goal or doesn't rush out as quickly as he does, he, he makes it he makes it far more difficult for Zaha because Zaha is going to be pushed away from goal. But I think it was Chambers who was who's coming back to get him. He's pushed away from goal. It's not an easy finish from the edge of the box then. But, you know, there was some positives for him. I do think he's a good shot stopper. he, he He only seems to be a small man, but he's got a good leap on him. I think that save where I thought originally it hit the crossbar, but it seemed that he got a hand to it, I thought that was a very good save. I think once he gets a bit used to how Fulham play, obviously coming into a new side, being the goalkeeper, Fulham work out from the back. I think once he gets that kind of confidence in him, once he knows how the rest of the team play, I think he'll be a decent goalkeeper.
1: One thing that concerns me, because Crystal Palace didn't really press Fulham, so that's going to be a, a test for Fabri. Would you agree?
2: I think so, yeah. Once teams come out and, and, and press the goalkeeper, don't let Fulham play it short like they were doing. I do think he's going to struggle with his clearances a bit. But looking back, David Button wasn't the best at take kicking out from the back. No. Marcus Bettinelli took a long time before he started hitting his fullbacks with these goal kicks as well. So... I do think it's something that
1: will come with time. Okay, Very good. All right. Let's move on to Callum Chambers. You gave him a six as well. This is what you said on your article about the Fulham players that debuted. The Alson went straight into the starting 11 and showed he is certainly going to be one of Fulham's regular center backs this season. Chambers had a very good debut and did well to keep Zaha relatively quiet, stopping the winger in his tracks a few times with some really well-timed tackles. He also did a good job in Benteke, who didn't really have a sniff during the tie, with Chambers' physicality on the ball a real positive. He found himself in positions where Crystal Palace wingers were running direct at both him and Maxime Marchand, although there was less down to himself and more down to the space foam left in between midfield and defense when attacking a pretty solid debut. And before I get your take on this, One thing that I want to say when I was thinking about both La Marchand, but especially Chambers, he seemed assured. He did not seem that he was nervous at all. He just seemed like he belonged as a full center back there. That that was the impression I got. So I actually, you know, I saw a six. I thought maybe a little bit higher, but I understand why you gave him a six, but I think there's a lot to come from Calum Chambers. So your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I agree completely. I fly out of the two. Players. I was impressed with marshland as well, but out of the two players, I thought Chambers really did look assured in that in that centre back role. Like I said in my my bits afterwards, he he did well with with Zaha. I didn't think I don't think he expected Zaha to be running at him as directly as he did. You know, Zaha made use of that space that was in behind Cyrus Christie after Christie went forward quite often. I don't think he was expecting to come up face to face with Zaha like that, but I do think he did quite well against him. You know, he, he has got experience, he's 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 at Arsenal for a reason. There's obviously some quality there. And I remember in the uh, Euro under twenty ones a couple of years ago playing for England, he looked very, very good in that. So yeah, I think I think Fulham have a real player on their hands there. I think he could add that, you know, that defensive muscle that Fulham haven't really had in the last couple of years. Good point. He reminds me of a of a better Thomas Callas. You know, Thomas Callas was quite good with with defending players, with having the ball at his feet. He he had that physicality as well. But, you know, he, he he, I don't think Callas would be able to match up with a player like Zaha, like Chambers did. I think Chambers is probably an upgrade on Thomas Callas. And you know, I gave him a six. I don't think he, did, I don't think he did too much wrong. But I don't think he was as dominant as he perhaps could have been if he was to get a higher score. But I do think with him and Morrison in the future, that's a real good centre back pairing there.
1: Absolutely. Let me ask you this, because this is something that we talked about on the post match show and also on Full Time. How much of the blame t- for the first goal do you give to Chambers?
2: Yeah, I watched it back, and he, you can see Jeffrey Slup looking for space, and he turns and he sees where Chambers is, and he sees Chambers is about a yard off him, and he gets that ball in, and then Chambers is too late to react to that. So I do think most of the blame is, is put on Chambers for that first goal. I don't think you can blame Fabriz for for, trying, for not saving that, because that shot was an absolute thunderbolt into, into the roof of that net. So... Yeah, I think, you know, Chambers was probably at fault for that goal.
1: Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about Maxime Marchand. You gave him a six. This is what you had to say on your article about the debuts. We've seen a lot of the Frenchman in preseason, and the general reaction was that the jury was still out on him, having played both left back and center back. However, he did well in the heart of the defense alongside Chambers, was fairly solid as the game progressed, with his best attribute winning balls in the air. We all know how good Benteke is when the ball is dropping for a long punt forward, but Le Marchand did very well to impose himself on Palace's center forward and win the majority of aerial duels with the striker. There was a few communication issues between him and Chambers, as you would expect in the pair's first game together, but there was plenty of reason to be encouraged by Le Marchand. Okay, Ryan, that's what you had to say about Maxing Lamarchand, I think he was second best, as you said, out of the two, but feel free to expand on uh, what you wrote here.
2: Yeah, I think he had a pretty solid debut in the Premier League. Obviously, you know, he's played a bit more than than Chambers has over pre-season, but he's found himself at both left-back and centre-back with a few different partners. I think the thing that stood out for me most with Lamarchand was how good he was in the air. I mean, like I said earlier in in my piece, we we know how Bendeke is, how good he is in the air. You know, he's he wins headers for fun. But I think Lamarchan really, really did well against him and there's a few times where he got he got well above Benteke in the air. And obviously that's gonna be a big thing for a centre back winning those balls in the air against teams that do like to go Route One like Palace do. I think there's a bit of communication issue between the pair, but that would be expected when, you know, you got the two playing for the first time together. I think a few times the gap between them was too big, especially when Crystal Palace were were breaking through three on two at, at stages. But all in all, I think it was it was a good good day do. It wasn't spectacular, but it was solid.
1: Okay, excellent. All right. Let's now go to Cyrus Christie. You give him a six. This is actually on your player ratings article from a few days ago. This is what you wrote. Had a really good start to life in the Premier League with his four rays down the right flank, causing the opposition problems. Saw lots of the ball, but didn't do too much in the way of creating chances. I agree with that, except for the one shot that he did and talking about on the last show. We saw, you know, again, even in that one shot, we saw a more assured shot than we saw out of Ryan Fredericks all of last season, out of uh, Cyrus Christie. That, to me, was a good sign. Let's talk about Cyrus Christie to you.
2: Yeah, I mean, that strike was a good strike, and, you know, Hennessy had a great game, didn't he? He, he pulled did. off a number of good saves, and oh. that was another one of them. What struck me about Christie is he got in some really good positions in that first 45 minutes. I thought him and Sherla really linked up well together. And Seri and Kearney like to use that flank and they're getting a lot of joy and a lot of space out there. The one problem for me was the final ball. The final ball was really lacking in that game. There was a number of times where the ball either went over the far post or hit the first man. And for me, that's the difference between Cyrus Christie and Ryan Fredericks at the moment. Ryan Fredericks' final ball is a lot better than Cyrus Christie's is at the moment. But I do think Cyrus Christie got in better positions and I think Christie's actually better defensively than Fredericks is. Christie got back a lot more and putting a lot more challenges on Zaha after he broke than I think Fredericks probably would have. I saw a bit of the West Ham Liverpool game yesterday and you know, there was a tendency for Fredericks to, you know, not rush back when Liverpool were attacking down that wing, whereas Christie made sure to get back down the uh, the right against Palace. I do think once we see him try and beat a man and start to beat men and get balls into the box. I think that's where he can improve going on from this game.
1: Okay, excellent. And it's funny because they just brought in another player on loan. Do you think he's gonna have competition throughout the season or do you think this is his job?
2: No, I think he's definitely going to have competition. You know, Timothy Fossi Mensa was was really good at Palace last season, you know, attacking right back, exactly what the side need. Younger than Christie by a few years, not too many. But it, it, it'll be interesting. It's it's always good to have competition. But for me, I don't see you bringing in a player on a season-long loan at the age of 20 for him to be a backup. I think he's got a challenge to start okay. on the right. And it'll be interesting to see which one Djokovic goes for.
1: Excellent. And listen, I'm, I'm all for competition and potential upgrades. Maybe he'll be an upgrade. But again, it's a battle. We'll see who wins on that. him. That's why I wanted to ask you that. So you don't see this as just going to be Christie's job. He's going to have to earn it.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think like most of these players now, when we spoke to Jokanovic um, on Friday, he said there's no room for sentiment in this team. Yeah. It has to be the best players playing. Oh, I know I Cyrus Christie's only been here for January, so there's not perhaps that much sentiment with him, but he's going to have to earn his spot like every single player in that side of.
1: Okay, excellent. Alright, my friend, let's talk about Joe Bryan. Unfortunately, he went down with an injury. So definitely want your thoughts. You gave him a six. This is also from your debut article. This is what you wrote. Despite his debut ending early, thanks to an ankle injury, Brian looked every bit the Premier League player and made the step up from the championship to the top tier almost seamlessly. He looked good on the ball, could pick a pass, and was able to attack down the left. However, he wasn't quite up to speed on how full in play, having only trained with his new teammates for a day and, and after signing from Bristol City on deadline day with the chemistry between himself and Ryan Cessna, not yet there. There was also a few long balls forward that Brian dispatched, which was out of sync with the rest of his teammates were doing, but that will all come with time. Okay. Ryan, very interesting take. It's funny because, again, I go back to my conversations on the full-time show and post-match show. My co-host, Emilio Donello, not that he was down on Brian, but he was feeling that he looked like a championship player, I'm paraphrasing, playing in the Premier League, you know, and again, he thought he was okay, he was decent, but you feel a little bit differently here. You think he looks like a Premier League player right now. Let's talk about Joe Brian.
2: I do, yeah, I've seen... The reaction for Joe Bryan's been quite mixed. You know, some fans are saying... He I looked... thought he
1: played well. That's my opinion.
2: Yeah, yeah. Some some have said he's looked very well. I'm in that camp. And others have said, you know, he's a championship player. He's not what we need. I think, you know, you've still got the ghost of Matt Target hanging over that left left side a little bit. <laughs>
0: good you know, point.
2: He, he obviously didn't come back in and we know how no. good he was. But from what I saw from Joe Bryan, you know, he looked comfortable on the ball. He looked like he, can, he could take a pass. He can cross the ball as well. I think once he gets that that chemistry gang. You know, it's important to remember with Joe Bryan that he only had a day's training session with the side. I know. And to have a day training session it with the side and come into yeah, come into the Premier League, you know, the Premier League is such a competitive league. He's playing against lads that have played in it for four or five years. So to come in with just one training session, you know, I think he handled himself very well. He didn't do anything above board like a lot of the players on, on Saturday. But I, I was impressed with how he handled himself. And it was unfortunate that he... He got that injury. I noticed he picked it up a bit earlier in the game, and then he came off about 10 minutes later, which was quite interesting. It looked like he wanted to try and run it off. So Jokanovic said that he's not expecting it to be a big problem, but okay. if they lose, if he's not fit for the game on Saturday, you have more hurt. headaches in defence. You know, he's already missing Tim Ream and, and Alfie Mawson from Saturday. We don't know if Tim Ream's going to be available, but he's expected to start training again if you lose Brian for, for at left back on, on Saturday against Spurs, you know, you've got, who, who'd you play there again? You've got that whole question that raises itself. Yeah. But going back to Brian, all in all, I thought he looked good. And I think over the course of the season, he'll prove himself to be a good player.
1: I hope so, because uh, I'm one that wanted Matt Target back. I'll be the first to say that. But I looked at his performance, and I actually said that I thought he played well. I thought he looked assured. We're, we're talking about the players. All these players in defense are coming in, they've never played together, and I thought they did a decent job. But what they all have in common for me, including Fabry, except for obviously a couple of situations, is that they do look assured of themselves. They believe in themselves. They have confidence. Even Fabry, with his mistakes, looks like he believes in what he's doing. I saw that from Joe Bryan. Now, he tried to make a couple long passes, like you mentioned. I think he could get away with that in the championship. I think he's going to learn, Ryan. He can't do that as much in the Premier League. That that was my take. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was those two passes where he knocked it forwards quite long. That made me think, right, you know, Bristol City, we know how they played. Yeah. I remember thinking back to Ashton Gate when Fulham went there, when Mitrovic scored his first goal. I remember it was a lot of long balls from Bristol trying to pump it into the box. And yeah, like like you said, it is a lesson to learn from him. Again, he's only had a single day training with the side, so he he doesn't know how they really play. I know Jean-Michael Sarri, I remember Brian locked it long one time, and Sarri had a massive go at him for it when the shorter pass was on. So it's all learning, you know, he's going to learn yes. that. I don't think we're going to see too many more long punts forward from Brian as he gets more and more to grips with how this Fulham side play.
1: I tend to agree with you, and I just think it's this maturation process, twofold, learning the Premier League and learning his teammates. And once he does that... I just like what I saw, the confidence. This goes back to me feeling about some of these players that we saw, the confidence level being in the Premier League. It didn't seem to, these players to be in awe of being where they are. Obviously, Chambers has been there before, so you can feel confident about him. But new players that have never played in the Premier League look confident. They believed in what they were doing. And, and, and Brian was one of them, even though he will learn from some of these things that he did on Saturday moving forward. All right, my friend, let's now talk about a player that was my player of the season two years ago. I thought he played well. Again, last season, a concern of mine is, can Kevin McDonald play in the Premier League? I was just curious how he would react. You give him a seven. This is what you had to say. Showed what he was all about with a commanding performance in the anchor role for foam, cutting up palace attacks. Okay, so let's talk about Kevin McDonald. Sounds like, to me, you believe he fits in the Premier League.
2: I do. That was the big question mark for me heading into this whole season, I guess, is how Kevin McDonald would do in the Premier League. You know, we, we know he's not the fastest player. And we know players that are going to play against him in that position, You likes of Eden Hazard, your likes of Kevin De Bruyne, we know how good a pair those are. So he, I had big question marks over him. But I thought for maybe 60, 70 minutes of that game, he, he didn't look out of place at all. He, he did... He put in a number of good challenges on Zaha. He he cut up Palace's attacks when he was in that anchor role. I think a few times he did lack the pace of the game when when Palace were breaking. There were times when he looked, you know, he he wasn't up quite up to speed with it. But I think he did, I think he did very well. I think he handled himself very well. I think he 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 did well cutting up attacks, like I said. He got on the ball and 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 sprayed it out. He didn't have as many passes as he did last season in the Championship. I think he was second in the passes ranks behind Tom Kearney. But I think, you know, that anchor role, you've got to play in the Premier League. You've got to be there to protect your back four and to stop attacks first and foremost. And I think he did that quite well. I gave him a second just because I was more impressed with him how I had question marks before the game and he really seemed to step up into it.
1: Well, that's good to hear. And like I said, I'm a big fan. I was just curious how he would react. And uh, I tend to agree with how he played. I, I I think that he handled himself fairly well. So that was an encouraging sign. He is going to have competition as we have a player coming in to battle him for that position, but that's very good. We're talking about positional battles. I th- I think it's only positive for him and and, uh, and Giza coming in, and we'll see who wins that position ultimately. All right, let's now go to Tom Kearney. You gave him a 7. This is what you had to say. Picked up where he left off last season and dictated Fulham's play getting on the ball and picking up the passes. Okay. Now one thing that I want to ask you about Tom Kearney, and we're going to be talking about Surrey in a little bit. I actually was reading a a post. It was a man of the match poll on friends of Fulham. And uh, one comment was from a, from a member of friends of Fulham talking about the relationship between Kearney and Surrey. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it right in front of me, but that that will be better over time. I think is where that poster was going to have to, you know, that relationship just needs time to gel, basically. So what are your thoughts about Kearney and, and also the situation with him and Seri Is this just the starting point?
2: Yeah, so I thought Kearney had a good game. I thought he raised his game from the championship into the Premier League. And he looked every inch a Premier League player. You know, he got on the ball. He dictated which way Fulham were going to go and play. And I think he did reasonably well. I think he quieting down as the game went on, like a lot of the Fulham players did. But, you know, Palace did control that game and see it out well towards the end. In terms of Seri and Kearney as a midfield partnership, again, they've only played a few times together there. There's still a language barrier between them. They're still getting to know one another and getting to know how each other plays. And I do think that that, that partnership has the potential to go places. I like Tom Kearney and I really like jean Michael seri, I thought he was brilliant. So going forward from here, I'd I'm, I'm, be interested to see how that partnership develops, I think he has potential. I think he's got a lot of potential, actually. Especially if, you know, Kevin McDonald doesn't play and Anguisa comes in into that holding role. If he's the player that, you know, Tony Khan obviously thinks he is, that will allow Tom Kearney and Seri to both have, like, a defensive backup, defensive, I guess, insurance policy for them to really get forward. The only concern about me with Tom Kearney is when you're playing teams like Tottenham, like Manchester United, Manchester City, is that defensive side of the game isn't really there and you can't afford to have passengers in the Premier League, right. I don't see when Fulham don't have as much of the ball. I don't see how much Tom Kenny's going to do off the ball in terms of getting in positions and making challenges. But, of course, that, that's all to come. We'll see yes. how he does next week against Spurs. But that that is a, a sticking point for me.
1: And that's something to really watch for against Tottenham Hotspur. And I'm looking forward to that match because I think this is a true test to see how foam play when they don't have the ball all the time. That's We're going to learn a lot, I think, even early on about Fulham, uh, you know, again, the maturation of this team because they're used to having the ball and, uh, like you said, the defensive side of the ball when you don't have it all the time. How will Tom Kearney react to that? And uh, we're going to see, and this is one thing to watch. I'm glad that you pointed that out. All right, let's now talk about John Michael Seri. He was uh, he won the man of the match on the Friends of Foam poll, and uh, many people have had him as the man of the match. This this is what you said, and you gave him a seven again from the debut article that you wrote. Out of all the new faces in the foam side, jean michael Serri's performance was one to get foam fans excited. After the colleges secured his signature, the old stories of how he nearly signed for Barcelona surfaced. And on initial viewing, it's clear why he almost signed for the Catalan club. Confident on the ball strong in the tackle, and an almost effortless transition from defense to attack were just part of Servi's display that will have got full fans excited. He looked like he could well be the signing of the season. I'm sure every fan that was at Craven Cottage can't wait to see more of the Ivory Coast, man. I completely agree with everything that you wrote. It's funny, Emilio Donello said that he might be the best debutante that he's seen play for Fulham ever, which is a huge statement. Just talking about first match. So that is high praise about jean Michael Sarri. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I can see why he said that. You know, he looked every inch the Premier League player. And if he played that game in a, in a top six, top seven side, he wouldn't have looked out of place. I think he had everything. You know, he was comfortable with the ball at his feet. He put in challenges. I remember there was one bit when he barged Christian Menteke off the ball in, in midfield. And for a man that's probably about five foot six maybe. Yep. That that really showed exactly what he was all about. He could pick a pass out. He I think he looked brilliant and I do think he was probably man of the match. He looked a class above near enough everyone on that pitch, apart from probably Zaha. Zaha looked quality as well. But Seri was absolutely amazing. I still don't know how wow. Fulham managed to get him when you look at the teams that were amazing. were after him. He was he was fantastic. Great in tackle, good on the ball, could pass. I think He's a massive upgrade on Stefan Johansson in that box to box role. I think he's got everything. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him this season.
1: It's funny because uh, I've been wanting a player that can do for full what Musa Dembele did. Now, Musa Dembele had a different style to how he played, but he controlled the midfield and uh, they missed him for several years after he left. And I think that Seri can not do exactly, like, like I said, what Dembele did, but have that impact. Do you see where I'm going on that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he he looks defensively strong, but I think he's better aspects we haven't seen yet. You know, we haven't seen him put balls into that middle into Alexander Mitrovic. I think sure. that is where we're going to see going to see the best of him once he gets used to how Mitrovic plays, how Kearney plays. We know how big bigger outlet that was for from last season, two midfield players playing into into Mitrovic's feet with his with his back to goal. I think once we see that more from Seri and see him picking out Mitrovic with passes behind the fence and into his feet, I think we're going to really going to see the best of them then.
1: Okay, excellent. One thing before we move away from the central midfield, the midfield three that we've just been discussing, I saw an interview with Kevin McDonald after the match, and I'm paraphrasing because I, I don't have uh, exactly the quotes the way he put it, but I think he was asked about the style of play and would it be changing in Again, every, everything that I, you know, that I heard from Kevin McDonald makes me feel, Ryan, that they want to continue to play this way. Now, will they be able to reach in every match? I don't think so. But I think that they believe that, again, with the signings that they brought in, with also bringing in Engisa, I think their intent is to try to play the same way.
2: Absolutely, and from speaking to Djukanovic after the game, he's the exact same. He doesn't want Fulham to change how they play, you still want them to play this brand of football that has served them well in the past. I just feel they need to adapt it and tweak it slightly to how the Premier League is. You know, I think there was times on Saturday when Fulham were a bit naive going forward where they overloaded both flanks like they did in the Championship. I think it was a bit perhaps naive from them to, to think they'd be able to do that in the Premier League and there was times where they did get picked off with Zaha and Townsend on either flank. But I do think, I don't see any reason why they, they, they shouldn't continue their brand of football. We saw Bournemouth come up and and continue their style of football and they've been in the premier league ever since i just think it's it's just about tweaking it and adapting it to the top flight and to the players they've got at their disposal now compared to last season i think they'll be fine with it
1: i hope so because i enjoy the style of play and uh yeah i i can see them making adjustments it's funny because tony gale was talking up both teams with the style that was going on in this match compared to what happened friday with Manchester United, he he just was was glowingly talking about both teams, just the the uh, the play, Ryan. That it, again, it was pleasing on the eyes.
2: It was it was a really enjoyable football match to watch from both sides. You know, I think Roy Hodgson Roy Hodson said after the game that he knew how Fulham were going to set up. That they don't they've only really got a plan A, and <laughs> that's to play their brand of football. So I think he set them up well to hit them on the counter, and that sure. made for a really really entertaining match. I mean, yeah. for me, the, the game flew by. I looked up at the clock for the first time, and it was on the 37 minutes. And then the next time I looked after halftime, it was in the 80s. Yep. So that, that game flew by for me. It yep. was a really enjoyable game to watch.
1: I totally agree. I'm fortunate the result wasn't what I had hoped. Uh, but if you're looking at it just from a football fan, you know, you, you had to like actually the style of play, and that, that's where I'm going on that. All right, my friend, we just have a few more players. Let's talk about Ryan Cessna, and you gave him a six. This is what you had to say. Adjusted to the Premier League well and caused the right back problems. His reading of the game was his best asset once more. Let's talk about Ryan Sessegnon. Yeah, I
2: think you know the jury was out on Ryan Sessegnon as well. Some players, some people thought that he he did well. Others thought that he was he was a yard off the pace a little bit. I think when you come up against a player like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who had a phenomenal game for Palace there, I think you are going to struggle in game. I thought he was great by the game. way. I'm glad you Absolutely brilliant, I thought he was. And when you come up against someone like that who who's got a bit more Premier League experience than you do, who's a couple of years older than you, and it's your first game in the Premier League, I do think you're going to struggle somewhat. But at times, I do think he got the better down that wing. He looked, he's reading of the game wasn't as good as it perhaps was last season, but he did. You could see he was trying to get into the positions, and there was times where he's playing off Wan Bissaka's shoulder, and he was beating him as well at times in the first half. I do think as the game went on, he, he waned a bit, like most of that side did. And, you know, now he's got that under his belt. He, he, he probably, I don't think he's ever really come up against a player like Wan-Bissaka before, especially not in the championship. So it's a it's learning okay, curve excellent. for Ryan Setignon.
1: Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, let's now move on. Let's talk about Andre Schurl You gave him a six. This is what you said on your debut article. The German World Cup winner started the tie well and linked up nicely with Tom Kearney and Serry in the middle while combining well with Cyrus Christie down the right. Most of Fulham's chances in the first half came down Sherwood's side, and he was clearly causing a problem for Palace's fullbacks. But as the game drew on, his influence on proceedings started to wane, something Jokonovic also noted as he was subbed off on the hour mark for Abubakar Kamara. Still plenty of games to go for Sherwood. Sure to make his mark on the top flight once more. And what's interesting, exactly what you wrote, it was the flavor of what Emilio Danello has said about the game and talked about Andre Schurl is that when he was not firing on all cylinders like he did early in the game, Fulham's play suffered. And that's kind of, it sounds like where you're going on this, Ryan. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I thought he started off the game really well down that right flank. He found himself in a lot of space. And he was able to drive at, Full- at um, Crystal Palace's left back and release Cyrus christie down down the right as well. I think it's important to remember with Andre Schurler that he's missed a large chunk of the last couple of years with injury at Dortmund. So you can't really expect him to be the same player he was at Wolfsburg or Chelsea immediately. He's still got a lot of catching up to do, I think. And I think we saw that with how his performance went as the game went on. He started really well, but it just gradually... he found himself more and more out of the game until he was subbed on the hour mark. So I think in terms of fitness and getting back to the Andre Schürrle that we saw lift the World Cup with Germany, I think there's still a long way to go there. But so long as he keeps injury-free and he keeps playing football, which I'm sure he will do in that Fulham side, I do think he's only going to improve.
1: Okay, excellent there, my friend. All right, let's now talk about Mitro. You gave Alexander Mitrovic a seven. This is what you said on your article about debuts, a second debut for Mitrovic for foam colors, and it was what fans have come to expect of him, strong and a focal point for the attacks. He was unlucky not to get himself a goal as his play with his back to goal caused Palace's defense problems. If it wasn't for an inspired Wayne Hennessy, the Serbian could have got himself a brace on another day. He quieted down as the game progressed, but have played a playoff campaign and then featuring in a World Cup, it will take time for Mitrovic to get fully match fit, an encouraging start to life in the Premier League for the striker. I tend to agree with you on this. I, I agree with your rating. I think that this is just a start for Mitrov. We saw what he can potentially do, but I think you also have to give credit to Wayne Hennessy. I don't think enough has been talked about the play of their goalkeeper because I thought he was potentially the difference in the match.
2: Yeah, I think that was probably Wayne Hennessy's best game in a Crystal Palace, you know, and it's just typical. It had <laughs> yeah. to come against Fulham, didn't it? Exactly. But yeah, I think I think with Mitrovic, I'd be more worried if he wasn't having the chances. I think at Newcastle United, you know, they didn't really play to his strength, and he didn't he really three have those chances. Yeah, exactly. And you know, although he didn't score with a striker, if you're getting those chances, you know he's in the right place. So I'd be far more concerned if we were sat here now. Talking about Mitrovic, giving him a five and saying he, he didn't, re- he wasn't really in the game. He didn't really have chances. I'd be far more worried then than sitting here now saying he had three great chances and Hennessy's pulled off some fantastic saves. I think going forward from here, you know, he's only gonna, he's only going to get better as well. He's going to learn how these new players play. I think there was one point where towards I think it was in the final couple of minutes where Abubakar Kamara has beating his man down the left hand side, and instead of dragging it back for Mitrovic to hit from the six yard box. He's tried to smash it goalwards from a really yeah. silly angle. I think if he'd played it off of Mitrovic, Mitrovic probably would have scored that. Yeah. But again, you know, I think he had a really good performance with his back to goal. He caused Palace problems. He was physical. He was aggressive. He's what you want from a striker in the Premier League. And I think, you know, once he if he if he didn't come up against a player like Hennessy having the game of his career, he would have scored at least one goal.
1: Okay. Excellent. Very interesting. I, I was encouraged by the play of Mitro. When my co-host was oh, took the other angle on this, was a little bit concerned because he did not score. And uh, I understand where he's coming from, but I think that Hennessy had a lot to do with that. I thought he had good opportunities, and he went up against a goalkeeper that was up for it and uh did a very good job against him. So I'm more encouraged than discouraged when it comes to Mitrovic. I, th- I think the best is yet to come. I I predicted a. Fifteen goals from him, I, I could be basically off, high off the mark on that. But I think he's going to have an exceptional season with him once he gets going and gets to know his teammates, like we're talking about going through all the players here. All right, Ryan, to finish up, let's just talk about the subs all together. I'm just going to give the ratings for him. If you just want to share, you know, a couple words or a sentence or two on each one, that's fine. You gave all of them five: Kamara, Vietto, and Johansson. Let's finish up talking about the substitutes.
2: Yeah, I gave them 5, you know 5 is my bang average score for a player if they don't do nothing if they don't do anything that's above board or below board, you know 5 is bang average for me. So they all came on, they didn't really put their heads above water that much. I think it was fairly average performances from all of them. Johansson, you know, I I don't know whether he's a Premier League player. He didn't really seem to do much when he came on. He seemed to struggle. I think there was a few fouls that he, he gave away, you know, in Johansson fashion. I don't really think he made much, much difference. Kamara got on the ball a fair bit and, and had a few chances, but I think he's, his decision-making was still a bit off. There was a chance where he he went for goal, I think. He tried to curl it goalwards from a few miles out, whereas the better ball would have been to, to dink that into the box where Mitrovic was. We saw how good right. he was in the air against them. So I think his decision-making was a bit off, and Luciano Vietto, I thought he—I thought he was a good player. I thought out of the three subs that came on, he was the one that impressed me most. You know, I he, he, he looked, looked good. He looked yeah, he looked lively. He looked very tidy with the ball at his feet. He scored goals last season when he was out on loan. I think you know he, he he came across the front three quite well and looked for those spaces to get the ball in. I just don't think having a day's training with the side and coming on with 20 odd minutes to play, I don't think we were going to see the, the best from Vietto there. But I do think out of those three players that came on, he was the one that really encouraged me the most.
1: I'm right there with you. He looked assured. He looked like, again, talk about confidence when I go back to talking about the players in defense. He just looked like he believed in his abilities, and it's just a matter of him getting in sync with his teammates. So you and I are on the same wavelength with Luciano Vieta. All right, Ryan, fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed doing this with me.
2: Oh, yeah, it's great coming on here. I love chatting football, so the more the merrier.
1: <laughs> all right, fantastic. Listen, uh, most Fulham supporters know where to find you, but let's now go and just share quickly your Twitter account and also how they can find you on Football London.
2: Yeah, obviously, I think most of you probably know my Twitter account. Now I'm quite <laughs> active on social media, so if, if you don't follow me, it's at r underscore o underscore Donovan. You can find all my Match day stuff, all my stuff through the week, and all just my general ramblings about nonsense on there. And if you want to read the stuff, we've moved from Get West London over to Football London now, so you'll find everything on there. Yep.
1: Yeah. And I, I would highly recommend it. You've got all, all the London teams there represented. And uh, before we go, I just want to say, uh, Rob Warlow, who was part of Football Doll London, was excellent. Ryan, just, I just want to share that with you.
2: I'm glad to hear he's a good lad, is Rob.
1: Yeah, he really is, and I'm glad that I was able to get him on cottage talk well that's going to do it for this episode of cottage talk this is our debut episode of the player rating so feel free to let us know what you thought of it and hopefully uh you liked it and uh, we'll be bringing you more episodes just like this one but it is time to wrap it up for my guest ryan o'donovan from London. i'm russ goman thank you as always for listening to
0: cottage talk whether taking a road trip to the beach heading to the mountains, or driving to the city. Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of
1: the match. All your mates around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and term supply, see McDonald's.com.
0: upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com upgrade this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans